All right, creatures of the night, welcome to Talking Taker, episode number 64 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, I am one of your co-hosts, and I am joined, as always, by Hugh Morris himself, the laughing man, my tag team partner, my fellow creature of the night. My wrestling buddy, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, we've got an all-American battle here as we're talking fully loaded 2000. So I want you to put your hand over your heart and in a loud, clear voice, say the words, we the people. We the people. <laughs> I, think, I appreciate you not calling me um, uh, Hugh Morris's Vince Russo name. When he, <laughs> I didn't so, think thank you. you would appreciate that. <laughs> I would not. Cover your drinks. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah, man, here we are, Full Loaded 2000. Dude, I love this show so much. Mm. Such a fun show. I can't wait to talk about it. We're going to get to the build first of all, but uh, yeah, man, I'm excited to be back here. And you know what? It's the month of July, so it's about that time. It's about that time. You know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut right there. Folks. That is. <laughs> We are talking the July WWF pay-per-view, fully loaded 2000 here. Very interesting show, as you mentioned, a fun show, uh, I think, overall. Uh, it's a pretty neat show in WWF history, especially during this time mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the year 2000, as we're talking about. I'm probably going to say that for every show that we do. Oh, for the next uh, <laughs> five months, Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we've done a little something <laughs> fun here on this, on our show. Uh, every July, we've kind of looked at the state of the professional wrestling business and really mainly the, the state of WWF versus WCW here and the war. Uh, it's just kind of been interesting to see the shows that both companies have been putting on during this time and how it's sort of told the story of their rises and falls over this time and i think this year here is no different and it's honestly basically the last year that we can do it this will be the last year that yeah. wcw is in business during the month of july uh so that's sort of the main story if you're looking at the two companies here wwf is just putting wcw out of business seems like week after well, week after week <laughs> yeah because next july will be uh the invasion yeah right? yeah which is kind of fitting <laughs> we'll be, talk about the invasion yeah. yeah, we'll get there. Uh, how but, funny uh, that worked out. You know, this show that we're covering right here, Fully Loaded, it's sort of, it, they don't talk about it this way, but when you look at the card, it's a show built on building up new stars because we've got yeah. three of the biggest new stars of this era, Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, and Chris Jericho. And two out of, two out of the three of those guys were in WCW at this time last year. Chris Jericho <laughs> basically had finished up, but he hadn't debuted in the WWF yet. But Chris sure. Benoit was in WCW back then. But these mm -hmm. three guys, they're the new blood for the WWF, and they're all put in really big matches. They call this pay-per-view, they say it has a triple main event, and those three guys are a part of that triple main event. So it's really cool to see the WWF focusing on new guys and building up new stars. We've talked about that's why they put WCW out of business because they're focused mm -hmm. on their guys, not on celebrities and shock value and all that sort of stuff. And what more shock value do you have than WCW's pay-per-view during this month, the Bash at the Beach 2000? Dude, I have heard 
every possible <laughs> podcast about this Back to the Beach 2000, <laughs> yeah. and I don't think I will ever uh, fully understand what happened that night with Hogan and Jarrett and Russo. It's every one of them tells a different story, and I still don't know the truth. Yeah, there's got to be a, a nugget of truth in all of it. You know, it's it's all about he said. He said, you know, at this point, yeah, you got Russo's side, you got Bischoff's side, you got Hogan's side, then poor Hogan and Bischoff's sides don't even match up when they go to court over it. So it's just <laughs> like they couldn't get their story straight. Right. And those are actually public documents you can read, and I have read them. Actually, it's kind of funny. But, yeah, um, bless their hearts. Who knows what happened? But, <laughs> but interestingly, that show was about putting new blood on the rise too, right? Because when they put the strap on Booker T. So, you know. Yeah, it is interesting. Like they're they're kind of doing the same thing there. If you look, yeah. If you peel back the layers, that that was the goal there to push the new guy, their new blood, their new star. But it's just too little, too late for WCW. And the way that sure. they do it is such just a bungled. It's so WCW. It's yep. everything <laughs> wrong about them encapsulated. That yeah, they're, they're trying to breathe new life into it, but they can't get out of their own way. And so that's why. We're not really going to talk about WCW uh, again until they're bought by the WWF here. Yep. And, uh, yeah, as we've mentioned many times, The Undertaker is a huge and, we believe, honestly underrated reason why the WWF was able to win out on this company war. He doesn't get all the credit he deserves. Austin and Rock are the ones that really get the main credit and and the feud with Mr. McMahon, but Undertaker is also... He's the backbone of those feuds as well. He's right there, the guy across the ring from those guys most of the time. So he deserves so much of that credit as well. Yeah, and as we've seen, he's been responsible for so much iconic stuff. Like like you said, literally, you and I both forgot he was responsible for the Rocket Sock connection. Like, are you kidding me? That put sent McFoley's career on a whole new trajectory, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just amazing how he's just in there and has his – fingerprints on so much stuff but he doesn't take the credit for it and he doesn't get the credit for it either you know he's a humble he's a humble guy man so that's one of the fun things about doing this podcast is to go back and see how how he does have his fingerprints on so much you know yeah and i heard one that we didn't mention actually i was listening to something to wrestle with bruce pritchard this past week where they're talking about the relationship on screen and off screen between stephanie man and triple h and you know we didn't cover this because we skipped a big chunk of this build but they mentioned in there that the reason why Stephanie McMahon, she says on screen, why she turns on her dad and joins up with Triple H, she attributes it to the whole black wedding angle and how oh, yeah. Vince you know, used her as a pawn to get to Stone Cold Steve Austin and didn't care about her. That's right. So she resented him ever since then and wanted to get back at him by marrying Triple H. So you can actually credit Undertaker <laughs> with the Triple H and Stephanie on-screen oh, romance and, well, that, thus you can credit him with their off-screen romance. Right. Worked themselves into a shoot, man. Yeah, man. So. So can we also credit him with the rise of NXT and New Blood and so that? I'm just kidding. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go <laughs> right. for it. Why not? Why not? Let's just go for it. Undertaker so. invented everything. <laughs> oh, basically. So yeah, man, no doubt. But what he did invent here was a really cool, uh, really neat, fun build we're gonna have here. It's really, it seems quick. Maybe just because last week's our episode was so long because there's so much to cover and five weeks of of Raws and Smackdowns, but. Man, this build right here to this pay-per-view was fun. I don't remember this. This definitely wasn't my most looked forward to match back in 2000 on this card. I was definitely looking forward to the Benoit match and the Jericho match more so. 
because obviously we're familiar with those guys. Angle is brand new on the scene. He hasn't even been there a year yet. So, you know, his stock's on the rise. But, you know, Ben Juan Jericho, we've got years of fan fandom into them, you know, before they get these big high-profile matches. So it was fun to go back and focus just on this for me because I probably appreciated this match the least out of the three. So and I don't remember this build being this so much fun and so many little small iconic things that we're going to cover yeah. here that I just forgot all coincide with this, man. And this is the first time we have not been covering Undertaker in like a main event or like intertwined with a whole bunch of other guys. It's just it's just him against yeah. Kurt Angle here, uh, as we're going to get to <laughs> yeah. for the most part. There's, there's a couple other well, things yeah. intertwined here, but it's just been so long since we've done a simple, basic storyline here. It was I didn't know what to do with myself, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> to let you guys uh, behind the curtain, we typically have maybe like seven or eight pages typed of notes for these shows that we're going through here. And I think I have three or four here for this one. And I have two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see what that means as far as the length of this show, but uh, it's really fun. And let's dive into it, man. Let's let's talk about Undertaker versus Kurt Angle, fully loaded 2000. Uh, It's going to kick off. Of course, uh, as we take the time-traveling motorcycle, hop in the sidecar, and go back to the night after King of the Ring 2000, Undertaker was on the winning end of his match, a six-man tag with Rock and Kane against Triple H and the McMahons, but he does not get the true prize of the WWF title that went to The Rock from pinning Vince McMahon to win Triple H's title. <laughs> so True, yes. Uh Raw, June 26, 2000, episode 370 on the WWE Network, kicks off with the uh, sullen, sad-faced Vince McMahon in the ring. He is depressed, says he came to a realization last night that all the games his wife Linda has been playing with him, we talked about a lot of that on the show last week, are her way of telling him to come back home. She needs his loving. She just really all she wants is another baby. And this is the infamous dear Lord. This is Vince delivering the genetic jackhammer promo. And Linda, if you want another baby, I'm your genetic jackhammer. What? Oh my gosh, another little Shane or Stephanie running around? Genetic jackhammer. Linda, daddy's coming home. Oh, I tried to etch this out of my memory. Man, you this can't. is where it came from, the you genetic jackhammer. out of your brain. No, I can't. So, if we were If we were sponsored by Blue Chew, this would be the perfect time to start talking about it, man. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's no better no better segue than that. So, um, yeah. Whew, man. So, Vince, in 2000, near 2000, he would have been, what, 55 years old? Yeah. So, Linda wants another baby. They have adult children. Linda <laughs> does not look like she's in prime uh, baby-making state at this point. How would she state that? Like, I would like another baby. Yeah. Robot Linda. she's Mrs. Roboto. <laughs> <laughs> Well, The Rock is actually in the ring the entire time for this promo because Vince McMahon interrupted him. And The Rock is nice enough to send Vince on his way with a rock bottom out of the company for a while. So that's going to write off Vince uh, for the rest of the summer. Yep, yet again. Um, (laughs) And get rid of that uh, for a while. Uh, But, man, there's there's a lot going on on this show. 
Um, Shawn Michaels, who is no longer the commissioner of the WWF, he's just the spokesperson of the WWF, he introduces <laughs> the new commissioner, and much to Triple H and Stephanie's chagrin, it is the returning Mick Foley, starting that legendary commissioner run right here. Dude, and talk about some of my favorite stuff, man. Oh. This is the best, dude. A lot and of it's on this he, episode of Raw. <laughs> yeah, and he's even said this is his... Probably his favorite time in the WWF is when he was commissioner in 2000, you know? So, I mean, he's going on record saying that on podcasts or on his stand-up stuff. So, and I can't agree more, man. It's so much fun. And, dude, all this stuff he's going to have here with Edge and Christian, and it's just a blast, man. It's so much it's so fun. So much fun. And, dude, he's he does this segment in the ring with Triple H and Kurt Angle. And, God, dude, it, I don't want to be cynical and, and – Sad, sure. but it got it, it, it did make me a little bit sad just to see these guys in their primes and to hear that how not even just the way that they move, but the way that they talk is different mm-hmm. uh, than, than they do now, 20 years later, when they're all still on TV. Fully, not mm-hmm. as much, true. Triple H and Angle every week. It's just, man, uh, it, it was, I'll be positive and say it was great to see them here in yeah. their primes. So it's just fun and God, takes you back. Really does. Oh, yeah. It's hard to believe it was 18 years ago and these guys yes. are still on television. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, later on. That would have been like in 1996, like, and NWO started having someone from 1978 still on the TV. Isn't that crazy? Promos and wrestling. That's just to put that in perspective for people. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Later on in the show, we get a – I'm going to go ahead and nominate this for our Vince Russo Memorial – Bromant of the week. Uh, we introduced this segment last week. Uh, I'll go ahead and reintroduce it because we are in the year 2000, in July 2000 here. Vince Russo, the writer, head writer of WWF for uh, much of the Attitude Era, has been gone for almost nine months at this point. And yet, going through so much of the year 2000 and, and going forward, we're going to see a lot of moments that you might think in your head, Oh, that's a classic Vince Russo moment. But no, you cannot attribute everything <laughs> terrible and ridiculous and stupid to him, okay? I just want to point that out. Not, you know, we've picked out many of his flaws, but sure. uh, this is almost defending him a little bit here. So in our uh, bromant of the week right here, the King Jerry Lawler, representing the cat, wrestles Dean Malenko, representing Terry Reynolds, in an over-the-top, off-with-her-top match. <laughs> Wherein the two men are trying to toss each other over the top rope, uh, and when they do, their female representative must take off an item of clothing until ultimately she becomes topless. Wow. Can and you? Vince Russo is long gone. <laughs> he did not responsible for this. Nope. Completely. Wow. I did not remember this match. Oh, I I remembered it because I was on the edge of my seat (laughs) at the age of uh, 14. Oh, now I do remember. Doesn't this, um, wait a second. Who wins this match? Uh, I believe, Jerry Lawler wins. So Terry uh, takes off her top, but she is censored. That's right. By Steven Richards in the debut of... (sighs) The right to censor. 
dude, sigh all you want. I love the right to censor. Oh, come on. You got to be dude, kidding I, me. No way. You remember I made them on uh, my No Mercy. I put all these other guys in the faction with it. That was great, dude. They were great, man. Right to I censor liked... is number two behind IRS for me. <laughs> as far as the worst <laughs> characters what? and gimmicks of all oh, time. No way. Yes, no way. way. Oh, it's so no way. boring. It's so I stupid. love Stevie Richards. He had I a love fresh Stevie haircut Richards, and everything. too. Great. I do not love the Good Father and Bull Buchanan and Ivory and Val Venus. Ugh. I, I, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't stand it, man. I, uh, but I do remember this was where he debuted, right? He come came and covered her up. Yep. So yeah, I do remember that. I don't remember the match. I was probably watching Nitro, honestly. Then I flipped over, thinking about what was going to happen, <laughs> and then <laughs> saw Steve Richards came out and probably got mad heat from me. So. I'm just, I don't yeah. know why this match type never made it into one of the video games, man. Rather than now have an over-the-top, off-the-top match in there. Oh, we could put uh, Pat Patterson and Joe Briscoe in there. Dude. <laughs> Dude, I just want to, can you imagine doing something like this in 2018? No. Like, we've come a long way. We just had the first ever all-women's pay-per-view. And right. 18 years ago, we were having... Off with her top matches. (laughs) That's crazy to think about. It is. It is. Um, Mm. So getting to The Undertaker, who we're doing this show about, uh, we get some uh, legendary, in my opinion, backstage segments with Edge, Christian, and Mick Foley, where Edge and Christian are uh, sitting on some recliners backstage. They want Commissioner Foley to go get them some sodas, because sodas rule. They reek of awesomeness, and they, they're asking Commissioner Foley to get them a dressing room. And Look, Nick, the problem is The Rock has his own locker room. Yeah. The Faction, they have their own locker room. Who? Uh, that doesn't matter. What does matter is that tonight the tag team champions had to change with the rest of the boys like a bunch of cattle. Listen, guys, I happen to be a three-time former WWF champion and a hardcore legend. I never had my own dressing room. Nick, you, you never change your clothes. You're just wrestling what you're wearing. That's a good point. <laughs> Which is just a shoot comment. Yeah, Mick's like, that's a good point. Uh, and uh, Mick does. He, he gets them some sodas. Mickey got the sodas. That's right. Sodas. That's this episode? That's this episode. Oh, man. my goodness. Uh, but he oh. casually mentions as he drops off the sodas that uh, he's booked yes. Edge and Christian in a non-title <laughs> match. I guess a couple of guys who uh, are having some personal problems and Wants to try to put them together to work things out. And those two guys would be The Undertaker and Kane. There you go. Yeah. We last saw them fighting each other at King of the Ring last night. Yep, exactly. <laughs> well, that helps me because, you know, as we mentioned last week, we kind of split up this build because um, it's just a lot going on. And so you're covering these Raws. I'm covering SmackDown. So that helps me realize why on SmackDown they're going to team up. So yeah. basically it's just because – they're disgruntled brothers who can't get along. So, okay, that makes sense. Dude, Although, I don't, it doesn't last very long. <laughs> it does not last too long. But that's Mick Foley's strategy, man. He did the same thing when he put the bar together a couple years ago. <laughs> Seamus and Cesaro. It's his go-to. Go-to. Uh, uh, we also get some clips of a WWE house show at MSG the past weekend before mm-hmm. the show. And it is all focused on our future president, Donald Trump, sitting in the front row, taking in the there show. You go. So. Yeah, uh, the only man, the only man in the Oval Office to also be in the WWE Hall of Fame. So, so far, there you go. So far, yeah, yeah. So far, we'll see what happens in the future. Um, yeah. Okay, Drew Carey for president. 
Anyway, <laughs> let's move off in politics. <laughs> uh, the Undertaker and Kane, we get to see them walking backstage, and Undertaker offers Kane a, a pull of chew from out of his bag. And <laughs> Kane, in a very noble move, just says no. So, uh, you know, props to Kane. We do not endorse tobacco use here on Talking Taker, so good for Kane. Uh, Ed and Christian are very upset that they have to wrestle. Uh, it's really cool the, the way that they sell it. They, come, they don't do their five-second pose. They're acting just very pissed off and, uh, like, a little intimidated that they got to face Undertaker and Kane, and rightfully so because the demonic duo squash Edge and Christian, toss them around like <laughs> rag dolls, and... Edge and Christian are the tag team champions at this point. Just want to mention right. that. It's a non-title match, but they just dominate. Uh, Undertaker wrestles with a, just a fat dip in his mouth the whole time, like he's Skinner <laughs> from back in the early 90s. And they finish Edge uh, and Christian with a double choke slam here. Uh, absolutely destroy them and wreck them and seem to have worked out all their problems. <laughs> yeah, did they? I guess. I guess. Got it out of their system. <laughs> on the tag all team it took? Champions. Yeah, dude, they... I don't have a brother. <laughs> yeah, you have a brother. I do. <laughs> I'll never understand Undertaker and Kane's relationship, man. They must have the weirdest brother relationship ever. Uh, maybe you can speak more on that. Oh, I can't because my brother and I have never, never tried to burn each other or set each other on fire. He That's dips, not he never, he, He's never offered me dips. Yeah, so yeah. I never had to say no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't really. I don't really understand these guys. <laughs> Even though I have a brother, <laughs> I don't get it. But you know what? Anytime we did fight, we got over it in about 10 minutes. So I guess I, I do yeah. understand that part. Okay, you can't even things. Lastly, I'll say the main event uh, is maybe the best thing we'll cover on this show. It has, really doesn't have anything to do with Undertaker, but it's Triple H Rock and Kurt Angle in a triple threat match. And it is pay per view quality, man. 15 minutes. Well, they go all out on this Raw main event. I highly recommend watching it. Uh, Rock wins. And by doing so, he is the champion, but the stipulation is that Kurt and Triple H cannot be number one contenders because he beat them here. Well, until August, because that's the main event of SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, not for fully loaded, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's just funny that that was, I forgot that was the main event of this show, and then, um, yeah, it's the main event of the pay-per-view, so. It's excellent. Uh, coming up. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I do remember this match, um. Actually, um, this is what what a great episode of Raw, man. That was ah, just top to bottom. So much stuff. Sorry, I went on with it, but oh no, so much good. stuff I loved on there. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, well, that brings us to SmackDown 45 on June 29th. So we get a op- replay. We see Taker choke slamming Shane through the announce table. So did they even play that on Raw? I don't think they did, but they they opened up the show with SmackDown with that for like, and it doesn't lead to to anything. <laughs> so yeah, it's just crazy. Um, so we, we get to see Edge and Christian interact with Commissioner Foley, which, um, you know, again, amazing segments because um, uh, there's just so much good stuff. And he, he books Christian and Kane – excuse me, Christian versus Kane for this this night and Edge versus Taker. So they're going to have singles matches, which that's just a go-to booking thing. You know, of you got course. the tag match. You book them against singles matches. It's, it's just easy booking. So anyway, um, Christian actually beats Kane after he gets a concerto – um, which actually Taz comes out and hits Kane with a chair for some reason. So Taz has been gone and he comes back to the company or whatever storyline wise and he hits Kane with a chair and then Christian hits him with a concerto. And I just wrote my notes like, did that ever lead to anything with Taz and Kane? I can't remember that leading to anything. It led to Taz. He, he ends up fighting Al Snow on the yeah, pay-per-view, he fights Al Snow. Yeah. but he attacks just random people all month. Yeah. And he cuts a promo on the go home raw about him 
he's just wanting to remake an impact because he feels like he's okay. been overlooked. So he's just mm. attacking people randomly and wants Commissioner Foley to put him in a big match. So he's just fighting Al Snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he fights Al Snow when Al Snow has like just uh, tights on. Remember that's when he had the yeah. snowman tights on and everything. Yeah. So yeah, so Christian gets a win over Kane with a concerto. Um, and then we see Taker backstage getting his gloves and elbow pads on and He's got his dip bag in his vest pocket. He's got his leather vest on. So that dude is just gotta love collecting his paycheck, man. <laughs> like dipping on the job, riding your bike to work day. Like rock, don't have to change out of your biker clothes. Like what a great. Uh, I mean, we mentioned that Linda signed him to a, a wonderful contract. Fat Lots contract. Of zeros. <laughs> yeah. So she said, "Fat dip, fat contract." So he's living anyway. the dream, man. So squashing dudes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, basically, he's going to squash Edge here well, and then win with the choke slam. So, and I just in my notes is just need to see how eight years later on SmackDown for the whole year, basically, that's going to permeate the whole year of 2008. You know, you got on Raw, you got Jericho and Michaels taking over the whole year, and you got on SmackDown, not quite as talked about, is Edge and Undertaker the whole year, basically, too. So, neat stuff. Just a little precursor. Obviously, I mean, Edge is. A glorified jobber here, unfortunately. So, um, but then afterward, Edge and Christian are going to double team Taker, and then Kane comes out to make the save. So, like you said, they've worked over their differences in that squash match on Monday, and Kane chokes down Christian, and then Taker is going to debut his new finishing move. He's going to hit the last ride powerbomb on Edge. They don't call it the last ride, but he does the thing where he picks him up like a wedgie, basically, and lifts him up, and dude, just whew, watching. Some, I, I I never understood how anyone wanted to take that slam. Like <laughs> I'm a not power sure bomb. They did. Like contrast that with Diesel's power bomb. Diesel just picked you up and like let you go. Like, he didn't like jack jackknife you down hard, but this is brutal, man. And I never got it back then in two thousand. I don't get it now, but yeah, apparent so in a fun little piece of um uh trivia there, Edge is the first one to take the last ride power bomb. So cool. Well I'll cool tell you dude. what in our very few weeks of wrestling training that I never got the wind knocked out of me more than when our friend Josh picked me up and jackknife power on me and dropped me. <laughs> he, what is he? Josh is what? Six, three, maybe. Right? Yeah. Probably six, maybe two, yeah. six, two, something like that. He picked me up and just dropped me completely like a jackknife. And God, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I, hit yep. the, I hit the ground and completely knocked the wind out of me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure anyone My- enjoyed taking it. Yeah. No, but it's Taker, so you yeah. just do it. You got to do it, man. <laughs> and nobody took it better than Christian. Nope. Dude, yep. Christian got up so big for it, and it just looks so much more impactful because Christian weighs, I don't know, buck 90 at this point. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it at least. And uh, they are going to face – Edge and Christian are going to face Undertaker and Kane in a rematch here on Raw on July 3rd, 2000, episode 371 on the network. It's kind of cool. They hype it up all night long. JR and King talk about it. Uh, it's like a big match that these guys are fighting with the titles on the line. Uh, Edge and Christian do a little five-second pose with Edge wearing a cane mask, making fun of Kane, and Christian uh, raising his hand as the victor before the match. Just love the five-second pose, man. It's <laughs> oh, cool. yeah. It's good to see that again. Well, uh, you mentioned the week before when they didn't do it, that got more heat for them because yeah. even though they're heels, the crowd wanted to see that stuff. So right. like, it's just amazing to get more heat by not doing that. You know, just it's small stuff like that. You pull back 
you know, and then it's amazing how much more heat you're going to get. So anyway, just perfect psychology, those guys. <laughs> perfect psychology for that. Weird psychology in this and that out of nowhere, basically, King of the Ring, Kurt Angle, comes in to the match and swings his scepter at the Undertaker's knee, uh, saving Christian from a choke slam and giving Undertaker and Kane the disqualification win. I guess Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle were all kind of friends at this point, so I guess that's yeah. the explanation here, but it still felt pretty random. But even though they get the win, Edge and Christian still get a choke slam, and Christian gets the last ride as called by Jim Ross. He says, Undertaker calls it the last ride. And like like I said before, nobody took that better than Christian, man. He gets up huge for it, sells it big time. Uh, awesome to see that. It is a big new addition for him. Changing up the yeah, character, man. debuting that new move. He's, I, he's moving away from the tombstone. You know, we're not going to well, see the tombstone quite as much. And like you mentioned last week, he, since he's come back, he's basically been using that choke slam. You know? That's been his finisher. So he had to, I guess, like you said, he wanted to get away from the tombstone just with the change of character so yeah here you go you know got a new power bomb and looks like it hurts like heck and uh uh gives you wedgie to boots <laughs> yeah no dude it is a great another great yeah. addition to the finisher roster of undertaker and yeah man we talked about him last week being the madonna of this era changing his looks mm-hmm. all the time but he's not he's changing his moveset too yeah which is something you really don't see as much either guys come back uh to debut a new move like that's pretty rare yeah and the, i mean the other person I can think of that does it, who's also Madonna, is Jericho when he That's came right. back with the code breaker, you know? So yep. it's just like, yeah, perfect. So anyway. Uh, well, our investigative journalist, Michael Cole, is going to try to get to the bottom of Kurt Angle's attack. And Kurt is confused by it. He doesn't understand what Cole is talking to him about. <laughs> and Michael Cole's asking him, well, you, you've definitely upset The Undertaker. And Kurt, yeah, he's so great here, the insincere <laughs> character, yeah. like dweeb, doofus, guy, like preppy. I don't know, whatever yeah. you want to call him. But he's dork. Like, yeah, a dork. There you go. <laughs> he's like, well, I, I could have never offended Undertaker. I have so much respect for him. I was just trying to help my friends, Edge and Christian. And if Undertaker <laughs> thinks I offended him, I just want to offer him my deepest and sincerest apologies. Uh, so... <laughs> That's really – it's interesting here because Kurt Angle's feuding with Undertaker, but he's also feuding with Triple H at the same time. And that's yeah. the beginnings of that love triangle with Kurt and Stephanie and Triple H. That's all going on at the same time that he's building towards a pay-per-view match with The Undertaker. So we don't need to talk about all of that stuff. We can move on because yeah. it, it really doesn't intersect except <coughs> just that Kurt Angle is pulling double duty feud-wise throughout a lot of these shows. So take us to SmackDown. Well, and think about it here. <clears throat> Yes, you you're within your first twelve months on the main roster, and your feuds, top two feuds going on right now are with Triple H and the Undertaker. I'd say somebody's got good big plans for you. You know, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, seriously, it's crazy talk, man. So, and again, everyone, and by everyone, I mean literally any podcast or interview I've ever heard say that no one's ever seen someone pick up the business faster than Kurt Angle, and he got the character stuff. He got. The wrestling, obviously. I mean, he got it all. So it's really cool to see him so young here. And like I mentioned last week, I hated him because I was oh, supposed so to. Good. He made, yeah, he made. Like I didn't hate the guy. I hated the character because it was perfect. Like, it, it made he he was a perfect heel. He made me hate his stupid doofus dork. 
you know, but he could wrestle, but he was like perfect heel. I got so mad when he won the title. Like I got angry, like I was supposed to, like, cause he was a heel. And so just watching this all has brought back some great memories. So speaking of great memories, I have a great memory about this <laughs> SmackDown. I'm about to talk about this is SmackDown 46 on July 6th. And, um, Angle beats Jericho in the opening match. And then afterward, we see him celebrating and catering. And by catering, I mean, it's literally one table and it has like a <laughs> bowl of popcorn, some soda, like, cartons of milk apparently so of course i guess the boys all hang around with popcorn and milk so anyway hey, it does angle's, the body good <laughs> it does angle grabs his milk and he's throwing it over his head over his head behind him and um it's his celebratory milk and it spills all over the motorcycle that is placed behind him i guess taker wanted Nice spot at the buffet in memory of Paul Bear. So pulls up right there in catering. <laughs> May Paul Bear's career rest in peace. <laughs> but uh, he pulls up, and then we get a re-debut of one of our favorite ancillary characters here. We get Midian. Uh, Dennis Knight. He looks like he came from the local 81. Again, looks like he could be part of Biker Gang. He's got black everything on, dude. And I noticed behind his right ear, he's got a BSK tattoo. Oh. So I, I'd never seen that before. So yeah, I don't think anyway, I either. But he walks up to Angle, and he goes, and you thought Bobby Cannon's accent was bad. He, he goes, I'm, I'm trying to do this justice. He goes, dude, I hate to break it to you. That's Taker Scooter, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is a hog <laughs> farmer from Arkansas. And and if you drop it, that actual quote from the WWE Network next to mine, you probably couldn't tell the difference because it sounds just like that. <laughs> Let's take your scooter, man. So, and uh, speaking of scooter, it's going to lead to something else. But um, Angle basically just bolts. He he gets he gets like he's like, oh no, he knows he messed up. He runs outside and there's a taxi dropping off like a a worker for the building or something. She just gets out and he goes, he hops in, he goes, just take me, please. Just, this is so good. Just tells the cab driver to take him anywhere. This is so good. And then we see later on, we see Midian. I guess he still can't, you know, he's part of that dark side still, you know, dark side rules match. So he's part of the dark side and he uh, walks Taker to his vandalized bike, you know, walks him up there and he starts twisting the truth a little bit. He's like, you know, I was telling Angle to stop, man. And, uh, you know, he just didn't stop. He kept going, you know, and Taker grabs him by the shirt and, he, and he's and Midian's like, dude, I came and got you. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> just like, oh, uh, this is the most mic time he's gotten in a long time. <laughs> so, and uh, you just sound like uh, the dude from Office Space is what you sound like right now. <laughs> hey, Peter, man. Hey, Peter, man. <laughs> Check out Channel 9. Chick looks like Ann's. <laughs> Anyway, you know what? It's probably based off of that. It came out the year before this, I think. So that's just anyway, your, that's your go-to Southern voice. Oh yeah, even even though I'm from the South. But anyway, um, Taker's disgusted. He looks on disgust, and then uh, later on we get um, Kane and Taker versus TNA, which doesn't sound like a great match on paper. But watching these four dudes slug at slug away, it was actually really cool, man. Um, again, it's not a four-star, five-star classic, but it was just cool. And Taker. He's so freaking good at his character, man. Like, he is extra on in this match. Like, he is just selling the fact that he's ticked off because his bike got messed up, you know? So he's just playing up that bad mood. Um, 
going after the referee. You know, he hasn't lost that part of his character. You know, still intimidating the ref and stuff. So it's just great. And they basically hit a double big boot on Albert. Kane choke slams him and then pins him. And then just for good measure, Taker gives Test a last ride, which Taker gives Test a last ride. Yeah. Test is a big dude. Yeah. I mean, he was supposed to be the second coming of Diesel, according to Vince Russo, but he wasn't, as we all know. But that's a big dude to get up in the last ride. So really impressive. Man, who would have ever thought that Albert would be the one training the next generation of WWF superstars? <laughs> Not me from watching this stuff. Not me. Not me. Especially when he's in X Factor. Oh, oh man. God. Uh, Raw, July 10th, 2000, episode 372. Uh, Undertaker arrives at the arena, just rolling through the backstage area with no regard for human life, just completely <laughs> driving through a building. People doing work on his motorcycle. Uh, he rolls out to the arena. Undertaker says, I ain't about a lot of talk these days. And then he proceeds to cut a very long promo. Uh, oh, no. He went to Triple H school. Uh, says that uh, when somebody pisses me off, there's going to be hell to pay, and nothing pisses me off more than a punk who's afraid of a fight. Says, Kurt Angle, American hero, if that ain't a big load of crap, I don't know what is. Uh, Dang. He recaps what happened, Uh, Kurt stopping him and Kane from winning the titles, uh, pouring milk on his brand new Titan motorcycle. You pour milk and food on my brand new Titan motorcycle? Not a good deal. It was fresh milk. You don't even have the common courtesy to clean it off. (laughs) Take your son. That could have fixed everything. He just wiped it down. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's no use in crying over spilled milk, man. Just clean it up, dude. <laughs> just clean it up. Uh, Undertaker says, I ain't hard to find, man. 6'10", 350 pounds, usually kicking the crap out of somebody. Uh, so, I love this guy. Dude, yeah. Says, I love this ticker. He doesn't buy Angle's apology. Uh, it says he just wants to give him a butt whooping here tonight. So that brings out Kurt Angle, who gives him another apology. First of all, Undertaker... I would like to apologize for ruining your tag team title match. Now that's a class act. For soiling your motorbike with milk. Motorbike? As they would say on the streets, my bad. Hey, he's with it. He's hip. My bad. Oh, he's hip. He's as hip as I am. (laughs) He's so good. He's great. He's so good. Um, and it's so funny to hear them because he didn't get it when he first came in. Like he, right? Like when he very first debuted in 1999, he was like, well, "There's no way people will boo for me. I'm an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lose to anybody and all this sort yeah. of stuff." And just it clicked really quickly for him, though. Uh, he said, "Kurt Angle says, you know, I understand you wanting to have a match, and I don't have a problem with wrestling you, but." A match of this status, a main event level match, can't be wasted here in San Jose. So he says they should fight at Fully Loaded. Uh, But he says he really doesn't think anyone in the world would ever want to see that match. Uh, Basically trying to talk his way out of it. The crowd, of course, disagrees with it. Uh, He says they definitely want to see it. Kurt says, think about it. You've got an American hero versus the American BA. That would just be un-American for them to fight against each other. (laughs) So uh, Kurt offers to help Undertaker clean up his image. Uh, so since Undertaker won't accept uh. his apology, he's got something else for him. 
And Kurt walks to the back for a second and then rides out on this Vespa scooter oh with a giant helmet and goggles on. <laughs> I'll never forget this. Iconic man. moment, man. It's so good. Oh. He says, forget oh. about that roadhog gas guzzling rocket monster that Titan formulated for you. Instead, take a look at your brand new sleek scooter. And Kurt uh, revs the engine up and drives it around the ring. Uh, (laughs) I will never forget this. It's so good. And Undertaker is not very grateful for this wonderful gift. Says says to Angle, I'm going to kick your teeth so far down your throat, you'll be able to chew your own butt out for pissing me off. (laughs) Undertaker doesn't give a crap. Not a bit. So Angle tries to run away after he hears that, but the scooter stalls out at the top of the ramp. So uh, Angle runs to the back, and Undertaker, just completely ungrateful, takes a look down at this new scooter and tosses it off the ramp onto the floor. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable, man. Completely disrespectful. Yeah, dude. Completely I, I, disrespectful. We love Undertaker, man, but I can't get on board with that. I cannot. That's just destruction. I mean, this is just a poor dork from Pittsburgh trying to give you a <laughs> scooter. Oh, well, you know what? That storyline advancement, though, that's for sure. It's great, you know, and it's good. It's comedy, it, it, and and we've seen the rise of that. You you would never see the Undertaker involved in a com- right a comedic storyline like this. But the business has changed. We're seeing mm-hmm. it with Mick Foley and his commissioner role and Kurt Angle. Using comedy, uh, it's a big chunk of what he's doing here. It's really interesting to see that. Well, and he's playing the straight guy too. I mean, he's not—he's yeah. not. Taker's not, <clears throat> you know, laughing it up. Oh, yeah. Or anything, but it's just—I don't know how. I don't know how he's not laughing at this stuff. I'm dying just thinking about it. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so—it's so funny. Um, well, speaking of funny, that brings us down to SmackDown 47, which is uh, July 13th, and this has nothing to do with Taker, but the opening was too cool and Rikishi, and they. This them and the Tuchel, Rikishi and the Hardys, and Lita. I think against or Tuchel and the Hardys against somebody. I don't know. It was some crazy match, but just watching Tuchel, Rikishi, the Hardys, and Lita dance in the ring for like five minutes for no reason, and everyone in the crowd was on their feet. It was surreal to me, man. Just like how yeah. over these guys were. Like you mentioned last week, it's just nuts. And watching the Hardy Boys do their white boy dances, like it's just it was so good, man. But um, and Lita, do I just? But during that dance off, we see, we hear on commentary that Taker is going to face Triple H in a no DQ match. So that was a little bit of Taker dropped in there. So here we go. It's a big it's main, main event. It is. It is big main event. And um, uh, Hunter's going to come out with his infamous sledgehammer for a another long promo. Except this time he says um he's. Gonna know, he notifies Taker what's going to happen tonight. He says, Undertaker, this is no game, and as of now, I'm no longer playing. So, Steam music is wrong. It's not all about the game <laughs> and how you play it, I guess. So, um, I guess he needs to change the theme song. Although, he doesn't have that theme yet, does he? He still has My Time. So, yeah, still has that which one. Which is still my favorite Triple H theme song. But, yeah. anyway, um, I wish he'd come out with that one of these shows, just... I mean, he might as well. If they're going to fight at Crown Jewel and it's 1998 all over again, why not come out with that (laughs) music? So, anyway. I'm here for it. I'm down with it. Yeah, I'm down with that. So, uh, we got Kane versus Kurt Angle uh, on this show of SmackDown. And before the match, we see Angle. He's walking around all nervous backstage. And 
he complains to Stephanie about the match and gives her a hug. And we see Triple H step out of the locker room and hit at like at the same time, Angle drops his arms and like, whoop, whoop, whoop. like he just plays kind of coy. And again, like you said, they're building into that you know Triple H storyline too. But um, he's basically he being Angle is looking over his shoulder the whole time during this match with with um with uh Kane, you know, basically waiting for Taker to uh, assassinate him. But um that doesn't happen. Triple H actually comes out and slams him into the steps. Um, and throws him in the ring, and Kane beats him by choke slam. So Kane pins Angle like two weeks before he's about to fight the Undertaker. So it's just weird. Um, the main event then is Hunter versus Taker in an ODQ match, and dude, Taker's got a black baseball cap on. Did he, did he have that on any of his Raws? Uh, he's had it on a few of them. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, he's rocking it during his interest, man. I just again, it's just it's like it's like a day at home, man, for this guy. <laughs> it's just great, but um. This match is it's a really cool, cool like brawl and really hot crowd, man. Especially once uh, down the end of the match as it breaks down, Taker gets his hands on Stephanie, kind of gives her the old goozle and is going to choke slam her. And that crowd, dude, like I said, everybody's on their feet, man. It's just Eating nuts. It and a really physical match. These two, I just can't put over their chemistry together, which I still think carries over to today. Hmm. You know, even though that match of SmackDown Under wasn't like a, you know, Matt Classic, I still think they had great chemistry. Um, 20 years later. So, um, but anyway, <clears throat> this match um, breaks down at the end. Angle actually comes out and he grabs Triple H's sledgehammer from the side of the ring and he goes to hit Triple H, who ducks, and he just wallops Taker in the face with it. And Taker takes a big back bump and uh, gets pinned by Hunter. So, on this episode of SmackDown, we've seen Kurt Angle and Undertaker lose. Clean, I mean, not clean, but, you know, take pinfall losses, which pretty rare for Taker, you know. Um, he didn't take a lot of pinfalls, even if they were kind of ugly like this. So Felled um, by the sledgehammer that he helped introduce. Exactly, yeah. That's like some, like, uh, Shakespearean Shakespeare stuff right there, man. <laughs> well, he does the Shakespeare pose, so. He does, that's true. So, but Angle can't believe himself. He leaves all upset. He's, you know, he's... Didn't want to upset the Undertaker, so he he can't believe himself. So I'm sure that leads us into what happens on Raw a couple of days later. Yeah, so we've got the go home week for the pay per view. Starts with Raw, July seventeenth, two thousand, episode three seventy three. The Undertaker interrupts Commissioner Foley at the beginning of the show, and I just thought, man, my how things have changed over the past four years between these two guys. Golly, yeah, crazy to think about. All they've gone through, and Undertaker brings that up. Says, Mick, you and I have been through many years and many wars, so you ought to be able to understand uh, the disrespect Kurt Angle has treated me with lately and how much I don't appreciate that. So, Taker asks for a match between him and Angle tonight. Uh, Taker's brother Kane interrupts and sticks up for his brother here, man. Says, you do not want to see the anarchy and chaos if you don't give my brother what he wants tonight. So... Uh, this is this is a weird little segment here because Kurt Angle interrupts on a Titan Tron. He doesn't come out on the stage. Mm. Apologizes for all the misunderstandings. Says he was just trying to hit Triple H with the sledgehammer on SmackDown. And Foley decides to make a match between the Brothers of Destruction and Kurt Angle and Triple H for Raw tonight. And then Triple H also interrupts also on the Titan Tron. So they have a split screen on the Titan Tron <laughs> with Triple H in one room, Kurt Angle in another room, Foley, Undertaker, and Kane all in the ring together. It's really just oddly done here. Yeah, what's the point of that? I, I don't really know. Uh, they but, weren't out of ring space. There's only three guys in the ring. 
Uh, and then it just devolves into Triple H and Kurt Angle cutting promos on each other, saying they don't yeah. want to team with each other, and that it, Triple H threatens Kurt Angle, if you don't hold up your end of the team tonight, you'll end up a bloody mess. I'll be the last man standing tonight. Uh, so that was a little weird, and it's kind of making the focus more about that than on Kane and right. Undertaker here. And that's the story of the match as well. Uh, it's really all about the tensions between Angle, Triple H, and Stephanie. Uh, they have a bunch of backstage promos all with each other during the night. Uh, but before the match, in a callback to uh, the first show we covered here, Kane and Undertaker are walking backstage, and uh, just the sad, tragic downfall of Kane here, man. Kane pulls the bag of chew out from his belt buckle and tosses it to his brother, the Undertaker. Mm, so it mm, sadly mm, looks like Undertaker has brought Kane down to his level. Man, mm, just I hate mm. to see that. Yeah, you know, that is sad. Sad, sad. You know, don't do that to your little brother. Come on, Like I man. said, my, my, my brother's never offered me any dip. I appreciate that. Just, I never tossed it to him either. So. <laughs> just say no, kids. Exactly. Come on, man. Uh, Undertaker ends up chasing Kurt Angle up the stage out of the arena during the match, and Kane actually picks up the win over Triple H for his team after Chris Jericho distracts Triple H. So it's really not much of a match, and really it's playing more into Triple H and Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle and Triple H and that sort of stuff, more so than Undertaker and Kurt Angle. So, yeah, that's how Raw ends, and... Uh, that takes us to the last SmackDown before our pay-per-view. Yeah, man. SmackDown 48, July 20th, uh, 2000. This is the go-home for Floyd Loaded. I guess it's, what, two days before? Three days before? So um, Angle comes out and cuts an in-ring promo. He's not on the Titan Tron. He's actually – or not on the Oval Tron. He's actually – why do they call it the Oval Teen? The Oval Tron. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's it in my mind. I had to say that. Um He's actually in the ring, and he says he's had a revelation. He's like, you know, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, and over the last few weeks, excuse me, over the last few weeks, I've been afraid, I'm scared of a man who rides on a bicycle, which is just, <laughs> his delivery of it is perfect, because he's so, like, serious, and he's like, I'm not scared of Undertaker anymore, and he wants a match with Kane, which is a future WrestleMania match, by the way. Wow. Um, <clears throat> Remember that? Yeah. Request a match with Kane because he says, I'm also not scared of a man who with a mask and red jammies. So just <laughs> cut and take her and Kane down. And just like, like I said, so seriously, man. Not like, like to his character, it's not a joke. Like he's just, that's just how he talks. It's yeah. so funny. Um, well, that match comes, uh, Kane and, and, and Angle. And uh, Kane wins by DQ because Angle uh, nails Kane in the leg with a chair. And then he just repeatedly beats him over and over and over again. And um, later on in the night, we're going to see Taker versus Boss Man because that's what Ooh. you want to see. <laughs> yeah. WrestleMania so, uh, rematch. Re- <laughs> no, no sell this time. No sell this time. And no hangings, actually. Oh, either, that's so. nice. That's good. Yeah. No hangings on a pole or anything like that. So, But um, during this match, Angle comes out and watches from the ramp. And he's got this bag with him. And inside this bag, he takes out a bucket. So I'm not sure why he had to have the bag with the bucket in it. But then in the bucket is what I can only describe as white shrimp sauce from like a Japanese restaurant. It's not paint, but it's something. It's like porridge or shrimp sauce. I don't know what it is, man. Yum yum sauce. Yum yum sauce, yes. (laughs) He pours it all over the motorcycle. uh, Oh, no. 
all over the motorcycle. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that, you know, watching that too, um, back in, you know, 18 years ago. And, uh, of course, Taker goes outside and you know, outside the ring and can't believe what happened. He basically marches to the back to find Angle. So the match kind of ends in a count out, I guess, or DQ. I don't know. They never really say so. Um, but we follow the cameras follow this storyline throughout the rest of the night. We see Taker backstage and, uh, Angle basically comes up behind him, attacks him with a metal wrench. Um, like from uh, enormous. Oh yeah. It's huge. It's, I mean, I can't even, it's like the size of that thing that, um, that truck thing that under that big show, back in whatever that it's like the size of my couch. Um, it's just a huge wrench and, uh, he annihilates takers left knee with it until Kane makes the save. So, um, and that's going to come into play as we actually get to fully loaded. So, but it's really cool though because Angle finally shows he's not afraid of anything. Like he, you know, his character's been, you know, this dork, but he finally kind of shows some, you know, he's going to get down and dirty now. You know, it started out with the scepter and he was, you know, apologizing for it, but now he dude grabs a freaking wrench, you know, the size of, like I said, a small couch and <laughs> hits him in the leg with it. So, um, not really a small couch, but a cushion, couch cushion. <laughs> well, he's anyway. a heel, man. Exactly. That's yeah, exactly. what he does. Exactly. He's insincere, he's disingenuine, <clears throat> but and he's gonna sneak attack Undertaker, try to get over on him, and that's gonna take us to fully loaded 2000, yeah. July 23rd in the year 2000. Uh, there is a promo on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, good old investigative journalist. I, I wrote IG in my notes. I meant for IJ. Anyway, Michael Cole um, interviews Angle and basically says, "Do you regret any of your actions?" Like he had, you know, earlier in this month. But he says, you know, he got no regrets, and I'll do it again if I got the chance. So, like I said, kind of add a new twist to his character. So, yeah, man, but that that brings us into Fully Loaded. So, like you said, it's <clears throat> July 23rd, and it's from the Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. So, it's got a triple main event, as they call it, with Chris Benoit and The Rock facing off for the WWF Championship. And uh, I remember that being a really, really good match. And then Triple H and Chris Jericho in a last man standing match, which I also remember being a great match as well. Probably my favorite last man standing match, probably. Yeah. So. yeah. Just and, really good. Really good. <laughs> and then, of course, we're covering Undertaker and Kurt Angle <clears throat> as the third part of that triple main event. Yeah, man. And I just remember <clears throat> hating the two thirds uh, outcomes of the main event. I didn't really care about our particular match recovering here, but I remember hating the Jericho loss and hating the Benoit loss. Like I said, I mean, you and I are both barks with those, both those guys, you know, from their WCW career. And I had a bunch of Japanese tapes at this time with, you know, all of Benoit stuff. And I had some Jericho stuff and super J cup. And I remember just being a fan of all that and just really wanting to see them finally break that glass ceiling here. And, you know, just them getting to dip their toes in the main event scene was cool. But, um, I, agree. I remember yeah. just, I remember just being mad that both of those guys lost yeah. and uh, not really caring about this match. But um, just, but, I mean, the fact, like I said, the fact they're even in the main event is really cool uh, to see here. So I just remember not being able to wait till it came out on VHS. VHS, yes. Before DVDs, VHS to rent it and watch these three matches because I was so excited. So I don't think I saw them until later in the year. I got a VHS from... It was like an hour-long best of the WWF 2000. It had, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say, it had the TLC match, first TLC match from SummerSlam, um, maybe the tag team tables match from Royal Rumble. From Royal Rumble. And it actually had Benoit and Rock and Jericho and Triple H, both from this mm-hmm. pay-per-view on there. And I remember thinking, wow, this is 
two huge matches there, and both on yeah. the, the, this one pay per view. It was cool. They put both of those on that best of two thousand, and yeah. they were great matches. Do Do you remember um, the poster for this show? It had it had Austin's face on it, and it had the dice. And I remember, even in the the early internet wrestling community, um, people speculating because the the dice had like the one on the left had like a you know the, the numbers at the front were like three, and then on the next dice you could see a one and a six was <laughs> like I remember people speculating like oh it's three sixteen he's coming back like which he doesn't come back for um, a little while yeah but you know, I guess another what two months couple no, months yeah four months I guess three months or whatever but anyway. Um, I remember people speculating because it was kind of weird to see him on the poster. That's interesting. Mm. I don't remember that. I remember that poster. I don't remember that speculation. Oh, really? But no, I remember reading that on those you know dirt sheet websites we used to watch, reading stuff back wow. in the day. That's some next level nerdiness right there. Oh, that's some, like, speculate. Yeah. <laughs> Serious the dice dork, on there. dork chops, man. <laughs> <laughs> to, to borrow an edgy Christian <laughs> phrase. Speaking of dork chops, we get some segments <laughs> with. Kurt Angle and Undertaker sprinkled out throughout this pay-per-view as well. Yeah, So neat. if you uh, go back and watch this show, uh, make sure you watch the whole thing to, to get all these things in there. Uh, Undertaker rolls into the arena after the first match and chases Kurt Angle through the bowels of the arena on his motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, ends up chasing him basically into the locker room and Kurt Angle's able to escape. Uh, so that's one segment on there. And then, uh, you, can you imagine how loud that was? Rodney's riding through the hallways of an arena. Yeah. <laughs> like, ride a motorcycle through the hallway at your house and see how loud it would be. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Uh, he has no regard for human life, like it's you so said. Stupid. He doesn't care. But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, investigative journalist Michael Cole interviews Dr. Undertaker, who offers his <laughs> medical opinion that Kurt Angle is going to need a doctor to surgically remove his foot from his butt. Yep. <laughs> yep. And at that moment, he sees uh, Kurt on a monitor, you know, like next to him, and he's on his motorcycle. So uh, Kurt starts is trying to start it, and I guess he, you know, hasn't upgraded from his scooter to his motorcycle. Doesn't know how to, you know, actually start a motorcycle. So we see Taker kind of come and stalk him, and Angle runs away, and Taker calls him the B-word, and then follows him, and then uh, Angle's Dude, like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Undertaker has got to come up with a better security plan for his motorcycle. <laughs> He really does. We've already seen it get attacked and stolen by Bull Buchanan, and Kurt Angle spilled stuff on it multiple times. Like, it's true. He, Undertaker's kind of got himself he, to blame here, man. He's being kind of reckless with where he parks that bike. That's true. He needs to get Midian on the job. It's, you know, have like Jericho personal security, have Taker personal security. What Just else is Midian shirt. doing, man? Just let him do it. Yeah. A little half shirt with Midian. <laughs> Where's it? Oh, it'd be great. He's doing nothing else. So, yeah, man. So then, the, you know, Angle and Taker play this game of cat and mouse backstage, running around like a you know Tom and Jerry cartoon. But it's not. <laughs> that is what it's, it's like. It really is, man. <laughs> and uh, Angle basically runs around the corner and comes from behind and nails Taker in the leg with that wrench again, that gigantic wrench from Operation. And Taker limps away backstage, really selling that knee, which is, you know, he's just so good at selling, man. Like for a big guy, so. Then we see Undertaker getting up after this and. <laughs> It's my favorite part. There's a one of those signs right there next to it <laughs> yeah. that says, "This department has had no accidents in 40 days." Like written in chalk on there. As Undertaker gets up, he looks at that sign and just wipes it off with his hand. <laughs> so now that was comedy. It I don't was know why he did perfect. that. That was perfect. It cracked me so up. Good. I had to rewind it to make sure that's really what happened. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Me too. Oh, that's so good, man. 
Oh, well, that that's going to lead us into the match. Yeah, this is the third from the top. Like I said, it's the Triple Man event. This is the first of the Triple Man events. Um, and uh, we get a little recap video before recapping this brief feud. Because, again, I mean, it's only been like a two-and-a-half-week build, basically, three-week right. build. So yeah. it's been pretty brief. But a lot of stuff, again, like we got packed Raws and packed Smackdowns. Like you mentioned last week, they're kind of packing these – trying to stretch these small stories out into long you know, weeks and stuff. So um, – Angle is he enters he's got that giant wrench with him. <laughs> he must think he's patches a rule hand. <laughs> dodge a wrench, dodge a ball. <laughs> oh, oh, he's also he's... scared of his pyro as he comes out, <laughs> yeah. thinking Undertaker is gonna sneak attack him. Uh, which is well, pretty prescient because Undertaker drives out in the middle of Kurt's entrance and starts extracting his revenge on him, which is great, perfect. man. I love it. Don't wait for the bell. Don't wait for the match to start. He's pissed off at this guy. He's going to go beat him up. Yep. And uh, you mentioned in your notes, uh, we don't have to listen to stupid music. That's one less time. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's cool. But seriously, like you said, man, like, why would you not want to get revenge on him immediately? So um, this match is fairly short, but we have a little – it's a little longer of a segment because they actually fight outside for quite a bit here beforehand. We got JR and King on commentary here, and like you said, they're – Fighting beforehand, and Taker, um, excuse me, he he throws him into the throws his head into the stairs, and throws him into the barricades, and uh, kind of battles with him out there a little bit, and then throws him into the ring, and the match kind of officially begins at that point. I think the bell finally rings. So, um, yeah, a- Angle eats a big boot and an elbow for a quick two count from Undertaker, but Undertaker actually pulls Kurt Angle up instead yeah. of letting the ref count to three, and as Tim White is berating him for doing that, we see Undertaker mouth the words F you to yeah. Tim White. We don't I didn't hear it. I don't know if you heard him say oh, it, but he, he I did. Yep. <laughs> he uh, definitely mouthed it to him there. So yep. There you go. Yep. Taker, man, do you remember like months ago when he was feuding with Austin? Was it nine seven ninety eight and he was like I'm not gonna use the language that he uses and he like paused before he said a cuss word. Remember Taker did that? Yeah. He like, uh, and now he's just, dude, he's letting that letting freak flag fall. But, um, he actually hits a stalling vertical suplex, like an actual, mm-hmm. like one armed vertical suplex, which man, like, I don't remember that very much in the last yeah, decade of his matches. So really cool to see, um, an actual wrestling move there. So then, uh, angle gets on his back and he's got him in a sleeper hold. Um, which is just fun to see, you know, they're just both, they have good chemistry from this short, quick match that we're going to see here. They do, man. It it is short and brief, but honestly, what it reminded me of was that first Bret Hart and Undertaker match Mm -hmm. from Rumble 96, just the way, and we'll get to it here in a minute with, with Kurt Angle working over the leg here. And yeah, it's just a very, very small version of that match. But man, I saw a lot of Bret Hart and Kurt Angle Mm -hmm. in this match. It was cool to see. Oh, yeah, absolutely it was. And um, Taker is going to take him over to the turnbuckle. Uh, I think he called it Mr. Turnbuckle last week on our episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Turnbuckle. So um, he um, he's hitting him uh, in the tur- turnbuckle and uh, gives him a sidewalk slam, and then he throws Angle to the outside, and then he goes back and intimidates the referee. Again, like I said, I'm glad he hasn't dropped that aspect of his character in the last decade, you know, so – uh, Angle actually hits him in the knee with the wrench on the outside while the ref is not looking. So he's going back to that, those dirty heel tactics and those take her back in the ring. And he goes for a single leg takedown, but 
Taker just punched him in the head. And at this point, <laughs> I, I love what JR says. He goes, Taker has a PhD in street fighting. And then after about like three seconds later, Lawler is just dead silent. He goes, I'd like to apologize because I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Like, it's like he's calling him out on his stupid comment on the air, which is you just don't do that. Yeah, they keep having these back and forths about apologizing yeah. during the commentary on this match. <laughs> I think they're talking about Angle and Undertaker at first, but then yeah. Kane brings that up. It's, yeah, I love when they kind of snap at each other. They got, yeah, me too. got a little love-hate relationship between the two of them. It's funny. Oh, yeah. Um, they trade some fisticuffs before Undertaker wraps the goozle around Kurt Angle, but... Angle kicks Taker's leg out of his leg and puts him back in the uh, <laughs> thanks, Owen. <laughs> in the UFC style leg lock, if you will. And I will. Undertaker does a good job. What we always talk about him doing, he's selling while he's yeah, in the man. submission hold, the rest hold, if you will. He's fighting in the leg lock. He's not just sitting there laying down. He does a great job of selling the fact that this dude's been attacking him with a two hundred pound wrench to his leg <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> Good lord, the two hundred power range. It's massive. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Um, Undertaker, excuse me. Uh, Angle stands up and gets Undertaker in like a like a step over toe hold, kind of like like yeah. a Terry Funk style move right there. But Taker reverses out and fights out to get back on his feet, and the crowd actually starts to kind of get into it here. They're starting to yeah. chant and clap and and get get into these guys. Yeah. It's- as he's fighting out there, you know, Taker is kind of slapping the mat, and which we don't see him do. We definitely never saw him do it as like the dead man, you know. Um, but he starts slapping the mat, and the crowd comes alive. And I mean, not you know alive like a Rock or Austin pop, but still they're getting into it. And like you said, Taker rolls over and counters and slams Angle's leg down and uh, gets some right hands back and forth, and then just starts punching him in the gut, just trading those you know really quick body shots he does. Then he does an Irish whip and then to a choke slam, and Tim White's like, "Just cover him, just cover him, just cover him." But he refuses. I raises his hand up, and that's what signals for what's going to come next. So Undertaker gets a big old uh, choke slam, hits the last ride, and gives Kurt Angle a huge wedgie as he's doing it, <sighs> and that's going to give Undertaker the pinfall and the win here at seven minutes and thirty-four seconds. As Crowd eats it all up. Kurt Angle looks like he's just been murdered in the <laughs> he ring. Does. He looks dead. He just lays there, like lifeless. <laughs> uh. Undertaker rides off into the sunset. You gotta put shades on first too. Yeah. Yeah, got it. It's, the lights too bright. So when you're in, when you're winning, I guess. So yeah, man. I just, in my, I just wrote like it's a fun little brawl, like a little, fun little sprint of a match. It gave, definitely gave us a little appetizer to what these guys are capable of. Because as we know, in 2006, they're going to burn the house down in a match they're going to take care of uh, in the ring for us. But it's just cool. To, uh, I just thought it was cool to see Taker give Angle so much, even though he was so new. And just the way he sold for him, like you said, it really did remind me of Brett and him too. Just the way Angle had to you know, chop his legs out and uh, work on that leg. And I could just I mean, you could tell that Taker was a fan of Angle and saw, you know, I don't. I'm speculating here, but you got to think that Vince was like, "Look, this guy's going to be something," and Taker has to, you know, give him a seal of approval. We know he's a locker room leader, you know, and so it was just really cool to see him. I don't know, give him so much. I don't know. How do you feel about that? It's funny that you say that because I honestly think that I think you're right. I think he did do that, but I also think this was the wrong call. 
in my opinion, to have Undertaker yes. beat Kurt Angle at this oh, point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. Well, Kurt Angle is headed to the main event of SummerSlam next yep. month in a triple threat for the WWF title. So why beat him and like, I mean, he beat him pretty convincingly. Yeah, he gave him some mm-hmm. offense, but he beat him in five minutes here. Um, and I just, I don't get that, man. I have Angle win a screwy match, like uh, have him use the wrench or have somebody interfere, do something, uh, have Kurt Angle get a cheap win. He gets a win headed into the main event of SummerSlam. And then these guys, they're going to fight again in a few months. That mm-hmm. You do a rematch where Undertaker's trying to get his win back when Kurt Angle's the oh, champion. Oh, no. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't agree with the booking at all. I don't agree with the the fact that Taker won at all. But I'm just saying, literally during the match, seeing how much he gave him, yeah. he didn't have to. You know, he's a freaking he's an Undertaker, and this guy's just a new kid. You know, so I just mean from that aspect, I thought you could tell he actually saw something in him. But yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly, man. I mean, this dude just won King of the Ring last month. He's going to go to main event SummerSlam. Why would you have him lose Yeah, a month in between? Like, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, you I know. think you can point to moments like this and this match maybe is why The Undertaker has his detractors, especially during this era. I think sure. that's kind of the rub that he gets uh, early on in this biker-taker stage. He's kind of holding some people down. And we like said squashed Edge and Christian, the tag team champions, <laughs> earlier in the month. He's going over Kurt Angle. Really strong here. I could see it. I could see Squash why people. Squash Team Eck. <laughs> TNA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can get it. I, I can understand sure. why some why you would get that perspective around him in this era. And I honestly, I, I just don't see why Kurt Angle didn't go over here. But oh, me neither. Yeah. Who knows? It's not for us to decide. Uh, it's us. It's us for us to talk about. But we don't know the reasons or the machinations behind all that. Yeah, and. Angle, he he went on. He's okay. He had yeah, a good career. It all it all worked out. The end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. But what do you guys think? Let us know, creatures of the night. Let us know what you thought of this match. What you thought of the booking of it. What you thought of their feud. Some of these just classic moments from the year two thousand that we were talking about here with Foley and Edge and Christian and Angle and all these guys. Man, so good. Let us know over on our social media at Talking Taker on. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Man, if you're not following us along on all three of those platforms, you are missing out. We post unique stuff on all three of those different platforms all throughout the week, keeping the Talking Taker conversation going. And hey, if you don't follow us, you might miss out on contests. Like this past weekend, we gave away one of our brand new Talking Taker t-shirts to a lucky Twitter follower and listener out there. So be on the lookout. You never know when we might do that again we've got some new shirts to celebrate this biker taker era over at tpublic.com if you search for talking taker on there it'll bring those up let people know you're a biker taker guy or a biker taker girl and last but not least make sure you subscribe to us on whatever your favorite podcast platform is we are excited to say that we are finally on spotify so add that to the list with apple Podcasts, google play Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. You can now find us on Spotify if that's how you like to listen to your podcast. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, leave a comment, let people know. And we do appreciate everyone out there who shares the podcast, who lets people know about it. Shout out to one of our good friends from back in the day, Mr. Brad Freeman, uh, Miss Shirley, as I like to call him. But uh, he, uh... Oh, Miss Shirley. <laughs> That's a old school podcast throwback, if you will. Yeah. Uh, 
got to see him this past weekend. Let us know he's a fan and a supporter of the show. So we do appreciate that. We appreciate all of you out there, all you people we've never met before, but we have enjoyed interacting with. Oh yeah, absolutely. We we you know we're just grateful we get like I said more than two downloads a week, so more than just me and you downloading. So anytime we get um, new people, and I've seen our numbers go up on Twitter followers and stuff. I think this um, iteration of Undertaker is very more popular, like you said, than than you and I even remembered because it's definitely not my favorite or your favorite so um but, it's but been it, fun it has been and, fun and start, so far few, yeah yes so far so good man I'm, I'm digging it so um yeah share the um share the love you know tell your friends tell your neighbor tell your friend's neighbor <laughs> whatever you want to do but anyway if you were there in dallas texas on uh, july 23rd let us know what you thought of this speaking of you, that I do want to say I was not there at this, but I can tell you this, Travis. You always ask if people were there. I was there when Kurt Angle won the gold medal at the 1996 Olympics. I Ooh. went to the Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, we thought we were both from Augusta, Georgia originally. That's where we lived at the time. And I live in Atlanta now, but my parents took me to the Olympics in 1996 to wrestling because I was obsessed with wrestling. So we went to go see the Greco-Roman wrestling at the Olympics. And I had no idea at the time who the heck Kurt Angle was, but I was there in attendance during the gold medal round. So I didn't, I don't have any pictures of it. I don't remember it, but I was there when Kurt Angle won the gold medal with a broken freaking neck. So. Isn't that crazy, dude? <laughs> That's nuts, man. Pretty neat. You were there. And then like what that would become. So. Yeah. Yeah, man. I've still got my awesome. souvenir cup from wherever wasn't at the Georgia Dome. I don't think I don't remember what arena it was in yeah. that they held that part of it. But yeah, man, it's pretty wild, pretty cool. That's crazy, man. Crazy to see. What, like I said, we had no idea of what he would become, and here we are covering him. So what's it, twenty something years, twenty two years later? So uh, yeah, weird, man. Cool beans. Yeah, you were there. If anybody else was there at the Atlanta Olympics, let us know. If you were here in Dallas, Texas, Reunion Arena, let us know. Um, we like to see what you guys felt about the Triple Man event. Did you agree with us? Because, you know, uh, yeah, we like to hear your opinions and feedback. So, uh, other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I only got two things to say to you, and that is take her easy. Look, Mick, we've been thinking about this whole Undertaker Kane sure. thing, and, um, no. We're not going to do it. <laughs> I guess you guys didn't read the shirt. Miss? Miss who? Maybe this will clear it up for you. Commissioner? What does that mean? <laughs> it means if you don't do the match, I'll strip you of the titles. What? <laughs> Have a great match. Mick just gave you so dumb. Mick just... That's so funny. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs>